uh, we're in a series right now called You Asked For It. Everybody say, You Asked For It. You asked for and so uh, constantly churches are answering, uh, are giving answers to questions that nobody's asking. And so what we wanted to do for the next few weeks is we want to identify some things that really we think are cultural issues. We, we got hundreds and hundreds of responses from questions that you guys are asking. And so week one, PD talked about mental health. How many were here for that? Uh, I would highly recommend you go back and watch that message. If you didn't, if you did, watch again. I'm a firm believer in double dipping. Come on. And so mental health, it's so important that you feed your mind truth. How many know mental illness is a real thing? There's a stigma about it. If you're coming in here with one of those, I'm telling you, you're in a safe place. You're in a safe environment. We love you here. And I'm telling you, God wants to heal you. Amen, everybody? Amen. So that's week one. Week two, we talked about emotional health. And I love what Pastor Derek said. He just says, listen, you can't have spiritual maturity and emotional immaturity. You can't call yourself spiritually immature if you're emotionally immature. And so he talked about how to identify different emotions and things like that. Ironically, I was having a conversation with somebody on Monday, and he was, he's a great friend of mine. He was just saying, Dev, had a tough week, not going to lie, I'm kind of struggling right now. And I said, you know, the spirit of PDA came on me. I feel like I, I gained 15 pounds of muscle, you know. And so all of a sudden, I just, I asked my friend, I go, bro, why don't you name that emotion for a second? Anybody remember the message? Name that emotion. Matter of fact, give me 30 emotions to name right now. And then he's like, uh, I'm tired and I'm hungry. And I'm like, that's exactly what dad said. And those aren't emotions. Those are drives. Give me emotions. And so we just had an awesome conversation. I'm pretty sure I screwed him up more than I helped him, but whatever. And so go back to the emotional health message. Promise you it's so powerful. We do have YouTube and podcasts for that, by the way. Highly recommend you check that out. Today what I really want to talk about, we talked about mental health, emotional health last week. Today I want to talk about spiritual health. I think it's so valuable, so important. But I want to come from a different angle that maybe you've never thought of or certainly heard of uh, in a church setting like this before. And I want to identify one scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that actually I think is easy enough to memorize for us today. And this is a great scripture to have in your mental inventory. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show it on the screen really fast. This is what it says. I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial. How many know uh, now in the new covenant we live under grace? And so grace doesn't mean that we can go ahead and abuse grace. It just means God has set us free not to go back in bondage but to live in freedom. Amen. Oh, my gosh, that was so good. Amen. Yeah, see, so God gives you grace. We live under a new covenant now. And God has given us the ability to be free. We don't go back to bondage. Come on, we walk away in freedom and liberty. And so I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But watch, key verse, I will not be mastered by anything. Ooh, I will not be mastered by anything. I want to talk today from the subject, and it should be in your notes already. But if you're watching online or maybe on the podcast or in Framingham, let me just tell you the title of the message today. Uh, it's digital cocaine. Digital cocaine should spark your interest. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this experience and in this setting. Uh, I have two requests, Lord, uh, especially for this service and this, this experience. Uh, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to learn, to be discipled, and also deliver us to just to be stronger, to be better, to be more mature. But would you restore the, the, the joy to people that has been stripped away from them, God? I believe, Lord, in this setting today, that we are literally going to experience joy at another level again. Maybe some of us have been robbed of our happiness, robbed of emotional uh, experiences and pleasure, Lord. And I just ask that you would give that back. I'm going to talk about this today, God. But also that they would find rest. I know there's many people in here that are bogged down by uh, issues, circumstances, 
and that they would find rest for their souls. I believe that that happens today, God. We ask for a miracle to occur in Jesus' name. And come on, everybody in here said? Amen. Everybody in here said? Amen, amen and amen. Um, let me tell you about a crazy experience I had recently. This happens often in my life. My wife can attest to this. Um, but kind of wild stuff happens. Uh, we're, we're doing one of our services recently. So I told you I'm the youth and young adults minister at this church. And so we have something called the 508, which are monthly mega services. We had tons of young people in the church uh, that night. We meet on Friday nights once a month. We have our uh, service coming up in a couple weeks. If you're a young person, what in the world are you doing with your life if you're not coming to the 508? Come on. And so let me just give you a couple stats really fast to encourage you. We had 297 people in service, young people in service on a Friday night, worshiping God, flooding the altar, loving Jesus, growing in their faith. Unbelievable. We had 18 decisions for Christ, first-time decisions for Christ, last 508 night. We had 45 first-time guests, 45-plus first-time guests in one service. That's, that's crazy, y'all. That doesn't happen. Okay, that's a little pity clap. Like, God is doing miraculous things in our youth. Yeah. It's wild. God's doing some miracles. And this one particular service, we were doing something called a seven for seven. And so uh, I teach a communicator's class to some young people. And uh, we had about seven months of training leading up to this point. And we were so excited. We had seven preachers, seven minutes each. And they were just killing it. I see Tim here. Mike was here. John was here. And I want to show you a clip of one of them, John Consolo right here. John, would you just wave your hand really fast? This is John Consolo. I want to show you a little clip of John preaching, and uh, we, uh, we like to say he was shucking the corn at this time, okay? He was going in when he was preaching. But after I show you the clip, which, by the way, he just crushes it, I want to give you a little context of what happened right after that moment. Go ahead and show the clip, guys, of John preaching. Verse 43, truly I say to you today, not when you get married, not when you make six figures, not when you get rich, not when you get that career, not when you stop feeling irrelevant in your job or your home or your circle of friends. Today, Jesus is saying, you will walk into the fullness of my presence. And as long as you abide in me, nothing Let's will go. separate you from my love. Give a shout of praise if you believe that tonight. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Because, see, paradise is not an emotion. It is God himself who is the same yesterday and today and forever. <coughs> you can be walking in the promises of God even if you don't feel it. In those moments, you, all you really need to do is just trust him with every single step. Come on, everybody. That's so good, right? My man. Love you, bro. I thought it was phenomenal. And my favorite moment, come on, give God a shout of praise. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Just love. He was getting so hyped. We were so hyped up. One of the things I love about my church is that we are just a holler back kind of church. Like it's not a quiet place when you come to our church. Amen, everybody? And so especially when it comes to the five-way, like we were going nuts. Young people say we were going ham. Like we were just going in, okay. And this one particular time, John's going in. And uh, I'm over here sitting on the front left uh, chairs, and he starts preaching. He starts spitting, and, you know, anointings flying everywhere. <laughs> and literally, I have my phone in my hand because I'm taking notes because what North takers are? History. I'm taking notes, and I'm just shouting them down. I'm just literally screaming, oh, let's go. So hype. I go back to my seat, and he says something that was just a little nugget. And I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this down in my notes. I look down at my phone, and I realize, oh, my gosh, I've been on the phone with 911 for 30 seconds. <laughs> Apparently, if you click this power button five times, it automatically calls the cops. <laughs> so we got a problem now, okay? 
So I'm calling the cops, and I did what any man of God would do in a situation like that, and call, 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 freaking out, okay? I was panic mode, full panic mode, absolutely going nuts. I turned to my security guard, who was Ian McCarthy. He was the guy in Connect News, the guy with the funny goatee. Yeah, that guy. Shout out to Ian. I love you, bro. So I turned to my security guard, and I'm like, yo, Ian, are they going to send dispatch? And he's like, yeah, they're going to send dispatch. And I'm like, bro, are you, can you take care of this for me? I'm so sorry about that. And he walks away. Literally, I could hear his thoughts. He's like, my pastor's an idiot. He's, <laughs> he's an idiot. And honestly, I, I spoke back to him. I was like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I later find out, 12 hours later, I find out from my wife who found out from her parents. My, her parents were watching my son at my house. You just met my son. And so they were watching my son. Uh, there was like four cops that showed up to my house, knock on the door, barge right in. They're looking through every nook and cranny of my entire house, going through the basement, going in the kitchen. And uh, then they go up to my, my in-laws, and they were just like, what was happening? What's going on? What's the emergency? And they're like, what in the world is just happening? I'm sure Frank's like, they finally caught me. They finally got me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I love your daughter. Um, yeah. So, so my, my, my father-in-law, he's like, uh, what happened? He goes, we got a call from this number registered to this household, and all we heard on the phone was, ah! Yeah. And he's like, well, my son, that's my son's number, and uh, he's at church. He's also a youth pastor. I'm sure the cop's thinking, what church <laughs> is meeting at 10 o'clock at night screaming at the top of their lungs. And I'm like, that's my church. That's my church. That's my church. So service concludes. I go to the back of the stage. Uh, one of our security guards, his name is Chris Maloney. He's like, uh, Pastor Devin, um, there are cops waiting outside for you, looking for you. I'm like, that's what every pastor wants to hear. That's exactly what they want to hear. Walk downstairs. Uh, I see the two cops. Ironically, now maybe you guys are unfamiliar with my story at all. Uh, I have a little bit of a path back in the day, a little bit of a rebel. Okay, PK kids, they're either angels or demons. I was a demon for a little bit. Okay. And so the cop that came in, she was like, Devin Fry. I'm like, oh, geez, this is not happening right now. Somebody from my past has come back to haunt me and arrest me in the middle of the church because I'm the pastor. Freaking out. And she's like, what happened? They walked upstairs, and all they see is rap music playing really loud. This whole place was, like, hazed out. You know, we have the haze machines. They're thinking everybody's smoking tons of weed. <laughs> rap music's everywhere. What is this place? And she goes, is this place a nightclub? I'm like, no, this is a church. She's like, what kind of church? And again, I go, my church. <laughs> yeah. It's my, this my church. I was hyped. I could go on about this. There's tons of other crazy things that happened that night. But I say all that to say this. This little device got me in so much trouble that night. And I had, honestly, no clue, no idea how in the world it happened. Apparently, somebody said I touched it five times. I don't even know how I did that involuntarily is what happens. But this is what I really want to talk about today, this little thing. I want to talk about technology because I really believe that we are living not only in a digital age, but we're living in an age where we're mastered by technology. What does it talk about that scripture that says, I will not be mastered by anything, or I can do anything, but not everything is beneficial, but I won't be mastered by anything. And I really think this is valuable for us to have a conversation today, especially as a church family, to talk about this, 
this issue of technology. Now, if you're writing down notes, I would encourage you to write this down. Is this, is technology is an awesome servant, but a horrible master. Yeah. See, it's a great tool. It's a great thing that we can utilize and use to advance the kingdom of God. But how many know it's a terrible master? Yeah. And a lot of us today in this day and age are mastered by it. And honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with technology. It's just the reality of it. I think a lot of us in this room probably have a love-hate relationship with technology. I love technology. I love the internet. I love social media simply because I laugh a lot on social media. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else just see some funny memes or videos? I'm just like, I really enjoy it. I brought a couple memes with me. Can I show a couple of them to you guys? Uh, show, show the first meme, guys. I, I want to show this. When, when somebody tells me, a kid, uh, me, my kid is an angel, and then he's like, so is Lucifer. <laughs> Like, literally, you're saying your kid's an angel? Literally, the devil himself used to be an angel. Okay, show, show the next one, guys. I thought that was hilarious. This, men, this will set you free so fast. This should be in Proverbs. <laughs> Girls have a hard time choosing where to eat because the last time they chose, they doomed all of humanity. <laughs> Everybody. I'm like, that should be Proverbs right there. No doubt. The last time they ate, show them the last one really fast. This is for all the single people. Home is not a place, it's a person. Somebody responds, you calling me homeless? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I just love that about the I just laugh on the internet. It's just so funny to me. And so that's why I have some, some love for technology. I also think, you know, technology, you can connect with people globally today. Like, I can send a direct message, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram or whatever kind of app today, from, to somebody completely across the world, and they can get it within seconds like, we're not too far removed from the days where we had wired phones. Y'all remember those days? Where, like, they were connected to the kitchen. I'm pretty sure I'm the last remnant where we had those, that generation. But literally, you had to, if you want to have a phone call with somebody, like a girlfriend. I had a girlfriend in, in high school, or what was it, middle school maybe, because I was a player, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I had a phone, and, I, of course, I had the wired phone. I had to go all the way down the hallway, close the door. The wire's hanging right outside of the door. And then all of a sudden, I hear somebody, because I'm, you know, spitting game, trying to do the best I can. And I hear somebody get on the phone, and my mom's like, hello? And I'm like, mom, I'm talking to my girlfriend. Get off the phone. You guys remember those days? Yeah. We're not too far away from those days. But nowadays, it's completely different because one little piece of mobile device, this little piece of technology is a little computer in your pocket that you can connect to anybody globally. It's crazy. One other thing about technology that I love is, like, you can learn anything at any given time. You have access to the world just in the palm of your hand. How crazy is that? Like, you can be a student and learn just about anything any given time. Another thing is you can influence people constantly if you use technology properly. You can influence people all the time just through one post. Here's, here's some of the things that I, I get discouraged about is that, honestly, technology is just it's easily discouraging. You can look at some of the things that are happening in our culture and our society, and you realize, wow, like, we live in a jacked-up world. You know, some laws are being passed right now. There's some things going on. Just There's tons of outrage online. And it's just honestly disheartening. It's discouraging to watch. Honestly, I can get easily offended being on technology, being on social media. Uh, there's, just, there's just no dialogue anymore. It's all a monologue, and people are throwing shade and throwing fingers and pointing fingers at people constantly. And then lastly, I just think people are so distracted. They're so distracted on social media. They're so distracted using technology and Netflix and, and video games and all the litany of things that technology offers. And so that's why I think it's important that we talk about this today because it is literally mastering our culture and our society. And so technology is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And also one of the things that's discouraging to me, especially in the study for this message, is there's this term I want to introduce you to. Write this down in your notes. It's this term called anhedonia. 
anhedonia. And in the Greek, an meaning without, and then donia meaning pleasure. It's without pleasure. And here's the definition of it. It's the inability to feel or experience pleasure. Here's my definition is this, emotional numbness. Let me just tell you something. After I preach this message, I talk to a bunch of people after service. And if you're new here or you just like to have a conversation, I'd love to meet you downstairs out of the front right after the service concludes. But hear me. I had so many people say, you have no idea what that message meant to me because, honestly, I haven't cried in years. And I had the first cry I've had in years in service today because I recognized I had some of that, this emotional numbness. And some of you, God's going to give you a good cry today. Are you hearing me? God's going to give you a good cry. I think, you know, men, we don't like to talk about that. We think it's weak or whatever. I just think what we need to identify is maybe you have a case of this. Back in the day, they used to think doctors and psychologists, they would say that this is related to schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or, or drug addicts. They would say that's the only really people that would classify as people that have anhedonia. But because of the digital age that we live in and the overstimulated culture that we live in, the common man and woman have cases of this, whether it be mild or severe. People have anhedonia. And maybe you today, it can put some language to it. Maybe you're like, I have been feeling some type of way for a while now. Maybe I, I haven't... I haven't been moved the way I used to be. They really, psychologists say there's three different areas. There would be musical anhedonia, that things that used to move you, the, the music that used to move you, the things that you used to listen to would just like, it would just get you happy again. And now there's maybe a numbness. They also say that there's a social anhedonia, that literally you don't like being around people anymore. It's just there's a social removal. And it's not introversion. It's, it's literally just like I don't get joy from being around people. As a matter of fact, it drains me constantly. And then there's this sexual anhedonia, they say. Uh, fellas, uh, talk back to me, but uh, for me personally, if there's one thing I do not want in my life, it's sexual anhedonia. <laughs> I'm a married man now. I can talk about this. Thank you, God. <laughs> but let me just tell you, this is a common issue in our culture today. And that's why I think it's so valuable to talk about this. And there's this book that was written by this man, Brad Huddleston. It was called Digital Cocaine. And ironically, what he said is there was brain scans done from somebody that played two hours of video games, and there was a brain scan done on somebody that took a line of cocaine, and they have identical brain scans based on two hours of video games or two hours of Netflix, just plug and play. And it's not that it's the same health-wise, but the dopamine levels that you experience, dopamine is the neurotransmitter that you experience, that your brain has, that you experience joy and pleasure and excitement. And nowadays, because of our overstimulated culture, the, the term would be called hedonism, because our hedonistic culture, where we're constantly pursuing pleasure, as all hedonism is, is the pursuit of pleasure, we are so overstimulated that now we create this like tolerance where the things that used to uh, make us feel joyful and excited and stimulate us now have no effect on us at all. You guys following me today? Yes. And so that's why this is so valuable. That's why this is so important. And I want to teach you today a couple principles that I think are so valuable for us to make sure that we get rid of some anhedonia and you can get the joy back in your life, you can get rest back in your life, you can get peace back in your life. Come on, does anybody want that today? Yeah. I want to I just teach you, honestly, how to get joy back. Because I believe there's been a lot of people in this room where maybe it's technology, maybe it's problems and issues that have literally stripped your joy straight from you. And I'm telling you, God's going to speak to you today. Amen, everybody? But let me just show you something, because this is not just Devin's observations or thoughts. This is statistically proven. Okay, so I want to show you some stats really fast. Watch this. This is statistics on the phone. The average adult spends five and a half hours on social media a week. That's, by the way, adult, 
not youth, not teenager, adult. Uh, last service, what happened was in the middle of me preaching, I pulled out my phone just as an illustration. I looked at it, and my screen time came up, literally in the middle of my sermon. And somebody, some guy goes, tell us what it was. And I'm like, I'm not telling you because I'm feeling very convicted right now, okay? And so five and a half hours on social media a week, 12, 12 days out of the year, 58% of people don't go one waking hour without checking their phone. It's wild. 59% of people check email as it comes in, and 89% of them check it daily on vacation. Here's another two. 89% of te teenagers literally sleep with their phones. And honestly, it's not just teenagers. I think adults do the very same thing. We have our phones right next to our bedside, and so when a notification pops up or your light pops up, what happens? You literally wake up, and it interrupts your sleep. It's happening regularly. 84% of people believe they couldn't go one day without their phones. Here's another problem in our society is pornography. And one thing we value at this church is talking about real issues because real issues uh, need clarity. They need biblical instruction. And so let me show you a couple stats about porn. 42% of Internet users view pornography. Here's another one. 1.5 billion monthly pornographic downloads. That's 35% of all Internet downloads are pornographic. Here's another one. The average age of the first exposure to pornography, this is terrifying, on the Internet is 11 years old. 11. And so... That's why this is valuable. That's why this is a conversation that is a necessity to have because we live in a digital age and we are being mastered by technology. And I want you for a second to take a maybe spiritual inventory of where your life is at. Are you being mastered by your phone, media, Netflix, video games, pornography, issues like this need to be discussed? And I, I wrote this uh, quote down in my notes, I don't know if I got it from somewhere, if it was just God in the prayer closet, but uh, I believe this is what's happening. Um, we are upgrading our technology, but we have downgraded our humanity. So social skills are literally being stripped away from us. People don't even know how to have a conversation anymore. They don't know how to interact with people, and we like being on our phones way more than we like being with people. See, there are tons of symptoms when it comes to the digital age that we live in, mental health issues. Do you, don't see, do you see the tie? Like, people become so digitally addicted to things that we literally create a culture that is a comparative culture. We are literally creating a culture, a social fabric of our society is a competition with likes and attention. That's what's happening with our youth today, by the way. And so there's digital addictions. People are, are addicted to uh, uh, affirmation or love or likes or pornography. Then there's political manipulation. This is not a political stance or anything like this. But let me just tell you something. The government... Uh, sees it way easier and way more palpable to uh, start a cyber war than an actual war because it's much more uh, monetarily helpful for them. And so literally you're just being fed information, being influenced politically or having different stances based through media. It's important. And there are tons of different symptoms from the digital age that we live in. But honestly what I want to do is I want to give you two things, just two ideas to give you a digital detox. Anybody want those two ideas? Okay, I just want to give you a digital detox. Here's two ideas. Write these two things down as this, strategy and solitude. You need to learn how to have strategy and solitude. Is anybody getting th anything out of this so far? Is this helping anybody? So watch this. Proverbs 13, 16 says this. A wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't. And a fool even brags about it. In other words, my dad used to say this to me, and he's probably said this to the stage and to this church many times before, is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You need a plan. You need a strategy. How many know uh, in our society, like, we need to make sure, I'm not telling you to eliminate media or technology. I'm telling you to monitor it, though. 
You need to make sure you're watchful and vigilant of the things that you're ingesting and the things that your kids are ingesting. I'm going to talk about this in a few moments. But listen, parents in the room, let me tell you something. Please, you disciple your kids, not your devices. Yeah, God has called you to parent them, not your technology and not the devices. It happens far too often. And so here, I I wrote down two different strategies. You need a defensive strategy and you need an offensive strategy. Watch. This is super practical. It should be super beneficial for you. Is this. Here's a defensive strategy. Uh, First thing I wrote down, turn off your push notifications on your phone. Like there might be some things that are mandatory for you to get. But honestly, you should just take off some of the social media things, YouTube, if you can, email. You don't need to be distracted constantly. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in the room. You don't need to be distracted constantly. I remember just coming to prayer on Friday for this message, and just because I do it regularly here. But I'll come in, and I'll have my phone right here on the front row, and my phone will go off because it's constantly buzzing. And literally 15 minutes of my time when I was supposed to be with God, literally got distracted because I started watching my phone. It happens all the time. Turn off your push notifications if you can. Uh, here's another little strategy is this. In your home, have some no technology zones. I think that would be really beneficial for you. By the way, this is just Devin's thoughts. You guys should talk about this as a family or with some of your friends because I think this is just some good things to implement in your daily life. Amen, everybody? Some no technology zones. Uh, my wife and I decided we're not having a TV in our bedroom. The bedroom is used for two things. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> that was a good joke. I like that one. Ah, self-control, self-control, self-control. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Here's another one. Uh, in your home, have no technology times. Like there should be a timeline where you say, okay, I'm cutting off all technology, media, Netflix, at fill in the blank. Like I said, you can do anything like the scripture says, but not everything is beneficial. But make sure you're not mastered by anything. Here's an offensive strategy. would be this. Go scriptural before you go digital. You know how often I'll wake up, just this past week, studying this message? By the way, you should feel compassion sometimes for the people that teach on the stage because God wrecks us behind the scenes when we're studying a message. Let me just tell you. (laughs) See, because if if this message doesn't change my life, why would it change yours? And so last week, just in study, man, I felt so convicted constantly. Because literally, I would wake up, you wake up to an alarm, or we have a human alarm. His name is Zion. And so we wake up to an alarm constantly. And then what's the first thing you do? Oftentimes what I would do being honest, because uh, it's just important, is I would look at my phone and I would realize, wow, uh, I'm looking at social media, all these things first. And can I tell you something? As a pastor, as a Christian, as a son of God, I think nothing grieves the heart of, heart of God more than that. Is your first priority would go to other people's attention rather than God's. And can I tell you something? The reason I read the Bible is not to make me better than you. It makes me better than me. That's why I read scripture. That's important. Yeah. And listen, there is no excuse. Today, watch. Today, you can literally just open up Scripture, and Scripture will read Scripture to you. You don't even have to read Scripture anymore. <laughs> scripture will read Scripture to you. I, I just wrote down this. Just Proverbs 28. 28. If you desert God's law, the wicked are edgy with guilt, ready to run off even when no one's after them. Honest people are relaxed. The Bible's just reading the Bible to me. How crazy is that? Like, there is no excuse. God has eliminated all those excuses, and you can literally just ingest Scripture constantly. Now, n- now let me tell you something. Uh, the Bible doesn't just say to read the Bible. The Bible actually says to study the Bible. And some of us are on a journey, and that's okay. Some of us are on a journey to make sure you just need to start reading the Bible. Just, just, just watch. A chapter a day will keep foolishness away. Why don't you just listen to that? Start reading the Scriptures, man. I'm telling you. Go, go scriptural before you go digital. Um, 
I had a funny story, but I bought a Bible for somebody recently. Um, shout out to Rue, bought her a Bible. She's one of my leaders, a little sister of mine. And so bought her a Bible. It came to my house, delivered on my doorstep. I got the email notification. And then uh, I go outside, couldn't find it anywhere. Nowhere, nowhere really found. I emailed uh, Amazon. They said it was delivered. I, I had to come to the conclusion, somebody stole this Bible directly off of my doorstep. What in the world? But I began to think about it. I'm like, God has so divinely orchestrated this. Like some person obviously has a terrible habit of stealing things. He steals and strips something, or she steals and strips something on my doorstep, and he later finds out, opens it up at his home, and it's the Holy Bible. You can't get more convicted than that. <laughs> God will so supernaturally, divinely orchestrate you reading your word. That's how badly he wanted that person to read their Bible. Can I tell you something? It's so important that you read your scriptures. Because I'm telling you, there will be a brainwash. It will just be a healthy brainwash over your mind to get free again, to get rid of anhedonia again. And so you can get your joy back. You can get your peace back. You can get your hope back because you read the scriptures. Okay, here's, here's another couple of things because i got to go fast. But uh, use technology for the mission, not just recreation. So, so technology is a great tool. That's why it's a terrible master, but it's a great tool. Use technology to reach people, to add value to people, to love on people. And so you can reach literally thousands of people just with one post, just with one comment, just with one like. Start using technology simply to promote the mission. And then here's my last one I just said is this, have family dinners again. Yeah. You know, studies say that family dinners will literally promote, here are four things. It will boost higher education, physical health a stronger immune system, and emotional security in people. When you have family dinners once to twice a week, they say. Man, I, can you imagine if our church just started having family dinners again? Watch how the strong our church would get just because our families are connecting again. And by the way, no devices at the table. Come on, how many is going to adopt that as a habit? I think we need to get that back into our society today. Okay, that's one. Two, uh, I got three minutes, so we got to go quick. Uh, it would be this, solitude. Watch this. Watch this uh, scripture that Jesus is mentioned in. But the news about Jesus was spreading farther. By the way, that's what we want for our city, is that Jesus' message would be spreading farther and farther, wider and wider, that our city would come to know Jesus. Amen, everybody? And the large crowds kept gathering to hear him and to be healed of their illnesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away. Somebody say, slip away. Into the wilderness and pray in seclusion. Um, what I find fascinating about this scripture is that he says they were trying, he was trying to heal them of their illnesses, but what did he do? He would slip away. Why? Because Jesus was called to heal the sick, not to become sick. So if you want to heal the sick, you need to be in solitude and get time with you and the Father again. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. How are you in your relationship with God? Have you been distracted? I use this as a message to push you back in the right direction to say, you need time isolated in solitude with solace and peace, completely distraction-free to get time with God again. I, I wrote this down in my notes, but I think it's valuable, is if you want to see the windows of heaven open up, you need to close the door of distraction. You want to see God's blessing and favor overwhelm like a tsunami over you, close the door of distraction. And I'm telling you, this oftentimes can be a distraction. Netflix can be a distraction. Video games can be a distraction. Pornography can be a distraction. Some of these things 
are literally destroying your relationship with God. And this is simply just a call back to say, monitor it, watch it. Some things you need to eliminate completely. Some things you need to eliminate a lot. Some things you might just need to fast. Some of us in this room might have a serious addiction. And I'm telling you, God is calling you to fast again, to come back to him again. You know, I was reminded of the scripture in Isaiah chapter 46. In verse 10, it just says, be still and know that I am God. Be still, distraction-free. Man, if there's one thing I could speak to your spirit today, it would be that, be still. Come on, anybody else feel God in the room? Be still. God wants to restore your peace again. He wants to remove that anhedonia from your life where literally you can experience joy again, happiness again. You can start laughing. I was doing some research and I was talking about how there's there's, there's stoicism and then there's emotionalism. God, God doesn't want you in either category. He doesn't want you in one extreme. He just he wants you healthy. He wants you strong. And some of us, I see, uh, trust me, I can see your faces. I can see you right now. And so some people are just, the whole message is right here. And that's okay. Like we, we love that here. We, we, we love you here. But listen, maybe some of you are so stoic because you're experiencing the anhedonia, that emotional numbness. And what I feel like God is speaking to you is be still. Drop those walls, because I'm telling you, God wants to speak to you today. He wants to heal you of that. He really does. Watch this. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I'm closing right here. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Watch. Ask for the ancient past. We live in the digital age. Maybe we need to go back to some of the ancient ways. Ask where the good way is. Walk in it, and watch. You will find rest for your souls find rest for your souls and I want to pray for I want to pray for you today because I really do believe that there are some people in this room your soul needs rest you want your joy back again am I talking to anybody in the room yeah would you stand to your feet I want to pray for you let me just say a couple things two different categories of people in the room, but men, I want to talk to you for a second. I felt like the Lord told me, you need to get help. There's some people in this room um, that have battled addiction for a long time. And first of all, you need to name it. You need to recognize that you have, you have struggled with it. And I'm talking about pornography specifically. And so you need to get help. Uh, I brought a resource with me. Uh, it's this book called Clean. Such a powerful book, revolutionized my whole life. You need to get this book. And so many need to get help. Porn won't let you live, so you need to make sure it dies. That's the reality of it. And then ladies, same thing. Uh, it's not just a men thing. It's a women thing. And so you need to get help as well. I would point you to that resource as well. But ladies, let me tell you something too. You could be the catalyst for his freedom. Seriously, you really could be. And so grace, show grace and love. I know it's going to hurt, but some people need to have some serious conversations tonight. And I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. It's awkward. But let me tell you something. Transformation is a result of transparency. And if you want to see transformation in your life and freedom, get this resource. You need to have some honest conversations with people you love. And ladies, make sure you respond gracefully and lovingly. I know it will hurt, but you can talk it out with some people. But let me just tell you something. God will heal that addiction. Amen, everybody? Amen. And, then, and then kids, I just, or young people, I just want to say, you got to learn self-control. You got to learn self-denial. Learn how to have 
uh, delayed gratification. Don't just indulge in everything. In this hedonistic culture that we live in, the pursuit of pleasure is dangerous because as Christians, we're not called to pursue pleasure. We're called to pursue God. And in God, you will find pleasure. That's, that's, that's where we're called to live. And then parents, like I said before, disciple your children. Don't let your devices do it. We need to make sure that we are raising our kids, not culture, not technology, not social media, because how many know that's going to be a jacked up way of living? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I really want to minister to you. I want to pray for two groups of people. First and foremost, I want to pray for those that maybe, maybe know you need to give your life to Jesus. Let me tell you something. Two results of, of a relationship with Jesus. It's part of the benefits package of being with Jesus. You will find joy in your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you will find rest for your soul. And if that's you, I want you to just boldly lift your hand and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. You can do it now. I see your hand and your hand and your hand. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else that says, I need to give my life to Jesus? Okay, would you repeat this prayer after me? Everybody, say, Jesus, I repent of my sin, and I need your forgiveness. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, today, I commit my life to you, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Now, Father, seal this prayer in their hearts in Jesus' name. I believe, Lord that you are not only with them, but you're going before them. You're going to show them the abundant life that you have promised us, God. And that is the best decision they could ever make in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, everybody, look at me really fast. I just want to pray for you one more time. Uh, is, there, is there people in this room that need to experience joy again or feel like they have maybe emotional numbness or they need rest for their souls? Would you just identify yourself? Okay, we got a lot of hands in the room. Praise God. Let me pray for you. And would you just... Uh, Maybe just as a sign of surrender or a sign of being open to it. If you're comfortable with it, if you're not, it's totally okay. Just lift your hands to heaven. I want to pray for you. Uh, Father, I just declare in Jesus' name that every single person that is lifting their hands, God, that is acknowledging that they need joy again, they need rest back again, they need to close the door of distraction, would you give it to them right now in Jesus' name? That it would just be a tsunami of joy, a tsunami of peace. They're resting again. And Father, just through the teaching of this message, I pray that we would rid ourselves completely of any of that emotional numbness, that, that there'd be people in this room that could cry again, there'd be people in this room that could laugh again, that could be excited and exuberant about being around people again, being in the presence of God. May you flood us back with that. Not that we're about emotionalism. That's not the goal of this message. But Father, you gave us feelings as a gift. And so there's been some people in this room that have literally been numbed and jaded by life. And so, Father, I just declare over them, be restored in Jesus' name. Be still and know that he is God. I pray that there be solitude this week, that there be conviction in this place, so that, Father, we can literally look at our schedules again and say, I'm going to organize time between me and the Father again that I'm not going to be distracted by culture, distracted by busyness, distracted by business. All these things, God, they're good and well. But, Lord, ultimately, I want you. I pray that that would be instilled in the hearts of every person in this room today. And I declare joy and rest and peace again and excitement again. I pray fresh vision and renewed hope again, God, that there be sleep tonight, that we, there would just be supernatural sleep. Lord, just last service, there was a woman saying, that, that hit me so hard because last night I took two heavy sleeping pills and I still couldn't even sleep, God. I pray that sleep, that there would be rest 
for their souls, rest for their bodies, rest in their family life, rest in every aspect of their life, Lord. And I believe this is going to be an answered prayer in Jesus' name. And come on, everybody in here said? Everybody in here said?